Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Good morning. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're back in the nursery. We are. And it is the most peaceful place to record. <laughs> I was saying to Laws, it's um I wonder if I'm gonna get into a, a bit of trouble next year because this is the best place to record a podcast in my house, but it's also gonna be my son's room. So <laughs> I don't know how I'll go in his sleep. I might have to move his cot whenever I'm doing oh. a podcast. <laughs> uh well, how are you? I mean, what's going on? How's you know your what? week? I'm good, except I know I'm mentioning the weather and we always talk about not mentioning the weather, but I'm really shattered that this is the last weekend of summer. Did you know I heard on the radio this morning, mm. it's been the coldest Melbourne summer. Oh, that's just great. 17 or 19 years, I'm unsure. Also, that was on, I think it was Nova, so I'm not Why sure Why do we want to know that? <laughs> well, it kind of just makes you feel like, yeah, it was. Because, you know, everyone's been, and yeah. I feel like we say it every summer, oh, it's, you know, last summer was hotter. Yeah. We haven't had a real summer yet. Well, it's true. This it's summer true. we didn't. It was the coldest. Great. Yeah. How good's that? Maybe it means we'll have some hot days. I mean, maybe we'll have a really Soon. nice autumn. Yes, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> so what is your special share of the week? Well, my special share, because we're currently sitting in the nursery, that I have probably 98% finished with yes. Joshi. Um, Looks beautiful. It's so cute. Oh, thank you. Is the wallpaper behind us. It's I'm gorgeous. obsessed. So we, um, we're trying to toss up, like, are we going to paint his room? Are we going to get, like, little animal decals? Like, what are we going to do? Because we wanted to do something on the wall, something fun. Um, and we found this company called Pick a Wall and it's basically just like a stick on wallpaper. So if you know any years time, we don't like it anymore. You can just like peel it off, but I absolutely love it. We went for this like kind of big terrazzo looking pattern. Um, and it's warm colors, but it's not like too bright. Anyway, I just really like it. So that's what it's beautiful. Share. It's, it was on your story. If it you, was, if, yeah. If yeah. you follow Steph, obviously, you probably, you might have seen probably don't. Because <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, yeah. It looks, it looks beautiful. Now, what's your special share this week? My special share is a movie, mm-hmm. which I've already told you about. Texted yes, you. Yes. These special shares, they really, because usually, honestly, it was one of those movies that I was just wanted to get straight on my story. Yeah. They're like, you have to watch this right now. But I was like, no, must save, save this for the podcast. podcast. <laughs> so it's called The High note it is with dakota johnson yeah. also makes me want to cut a fringe i literally yeah. messaged steph afterwards laura I was like, is going to cut a fringe okay i want to speak about this for a moment before you go into the actual movie and why you like it i love that this is what happened guys so dakota <laughs> johnson obviously famously has a really cute fringe Lawsy messaged me straight afterwards and was saying that it was like making her want a fringe. And then she asked me for permission. No, to I go did get, I just well I wanted are you because, sure you're okay? because you have you're a getting fringe. Rich? And like I was like, oh my <laughs> goodness, imagine if you're like Laura's trying to look like me and no. I feel like no. that is a insecurity built in me from the Australian media. <laughs> Thank you very much. Because they anytime so they do stay something tuned. similar, they'll write about it. Laws might have a fringe. Inspired not by you. Inspired by, by Dakota. Dakota. <laughs> Yeah, because now I was growing my hair. No, keeping it short. No, growing you were growing, growing it, it for, for the, the wedding. wedding. Yeah, because it was really short and it wouldn't have gone into a bun. But mm-hmm. now it is way too long and it is driving me yeah. insane. Yeah, I yeah strongly dislike it. Yeah, but also you looked so cute with your chop. Like when you had your hair chopped. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm not going to chop it that much because it's still, still, hopefully the wedding is this year. So I will need to have hair that can go into the hairstyle that I won't say just in case. Dalton listens, which I don't think he does. (laughs) Um, And 
yeah, but maybe I'm going to have a fringe. Yeah, freshen it up. Anyway. Change it up. So, yeah, that was um fun. Tell us about the movie, though. I'll tell you about the movie. <laughs> okay, the movie. So, we've got Dakota Johnson. Love her. She's from Fifty Shades of Grey, mm. if you are trying to think of who she is. And also Tracy Alice Roche. She, I, I, okay, Tracy is someone you guys have to follow on Instagram. She's from the TV series Blackish, which I personally love. If that's enough, actually, this can be a secondary second share for Amazing. today. Why did I say secondary second? I don't know. <laughs> Special share is what I meant to say. Um, Blackish is one of my favorite TV shows to watch when I just want to watch something to make me laugh. Like it's very much on the modern family vibe. Like yes, if you okay. enjoy modern family or scrubs, those kind mm-hmm. of like comedy things or even new girl, it's very much on that vibe. But Tracy is fantastic in it. And she's one of my favorite characters on the show. And I started following her and she's amazing. She's so great. And it's funny because when you recommended this movie to me, I was like, I've seen her post about this. I, so I can't good. wait to watch it. So now I'm like even more excited. It is just so I don't want to. I've realized in my special shares, Sometimes. I just say I really love it. No, but I don't actually say anything yeah. about it. And you guys must be like, cool. So if I don't like the it. title, then like won't watch it. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Sure. So um, basically Dakota Johnson is Grace Kelly, which is Tracy's assistant in not Grace Kelly. Grace Davis is the mm-hmm, character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Grace Davis is a very big performer like she's mm-hmm. in the movie one of the most famous performers and so dakota who's played who made maggie assistant. <laughs> really making this up this is maybe why i do it so dakota <laughs> plays her assistant and her character name is maggie and she's her pa but she really wants to be a producer mm-hmm. and she's so incredibly talented and it is a beautiful story with a beautiful ending i won't tell you anymore because you could probably kind of yeah guess what happens but I was just it's just one of those movies that you just smile the whole time and it just gives you some hope yeah which I love I love when movies are are make you feel good yeah make you feel good feel good happy smile the whole way through a little bit of tears no I think we had to buy it on Apple TV or something Google oh okay yeah one of the apps that we pay for that surely it'll pop up soon on one of the yeah if you just google it it'll um because I think it's only just. Oh, you can out. watch it on YouTube for six dollars. It says I, I've never paid on YouTube mm, to watch a movie. Anyway, that's what it says on Google. But I highly recommend. It is just a fantastic movie. Amazing, amazing. So now for Our the D and M. Yeah, Ooh. I was. I forgot about that. We have. Well, I don't know why I did because we have got a great question. A great one that is question. very much up your alley. I feel. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you for sending the question in. So this question. Mm-hmm. I'll just read it. I'll, I'll dive right dive in. Right in. <laughs> I am 18 years old and finished year 12 last year. After the wild year that 2020 was, I ended up receiving a not so amazing ATAR and wasn't able to get into my desired course for first year. Although my parents were supportive of my achievements, they suggested doing a different course and have pushed for this idea. I've looked at multiple pathways into the first course I was thinking about as well. I want to make them proud and continue with my studies this year. However, I'm torn and here is why. I love working. I currently work at a busy cafe and find myself constantly applying for many other hospitality jobs. I'm a hard worker and love being around people and being on my feet and even look and have even looked at completing certificates relating to hospitality management. I'm torn between taking time off studies to work and earn some money and experience in a field I love, or do I stick out the next three to four years of uni studies, make my parents and family proud and have a bachelor degree afterwards? I enjoy learning and studying, but I'm really stuck on finding a purpose for the year 2021. What advice would you give a fresh out of year 12 student and what would you do? 
What are the positives and negatives of a gap year? And on the other hand, what are the positives and negatives of attending first year uni? Thank you for your help. Such a great question. Again, I feel like some of these questions, like I'm I'm reading them come through and I'm like, I feel like so many people would be in this position. Um, I think first of all, the one sentence that like I wanted to highlight when you mentioned, um, you know, that you just want to make your parents proud and that's like a almost like a fear of yours into whatever decision you're going to make is going to be based on that I think sometimes we underestimate our parents or like we we think that because of things that they might have said in the past that there's only one way that's going to make them proud so it's really hard to know I, I don't know what kind of you know situation you're in I don't know what your parents have kind of when you say that they're pushing for that, I don't know how hard they're pushing mm. for that. So it, it's hard for me to be able to say, but um, I do know that for my parents, you know, I was very fortunate. They they never put any pressure on me or anything into what direction I had to take in life or anything like that. But I always found that when I was more open with them and I really mm. spoke things through with them and I really told them where my head was at, what I was thinking, what I was passionate about, they really did listen and they really did respect that Um didn't mean that they, you know, wouldn't push back with their two cents mm. and say like, okay, well, this is what I think maybe you should think about, um, which is why they're so great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, they were supportive of kind of whatever was going to make me tick and whatever was going to make me feel good. So I think you're actually in quite a fortunate position in that I know quite a lot of uni students who still you know, do hospitality mm. jobs on the side. It's a great job. Um, it is quite a great part-time job Mm. to do on the side of uni I feel because it it is one of the most common ones I Mm -hmm. would feel and I didn't go to uni myself so there's obviously a lot of this question I will have to pass on to Laura but for me I found that when I finished school a lot of my interests I did I took a gap year because there was I had a few different interests and I could not decide which direction I wanted to take and I thought that oh sorry if you can hear Ari in the background Mm. growling I thought that taking a gap year might help me kind of figure out, you know, by working and also talking to my friends who were in different courses, what course I might Mm. be interested in. And in that year of working, I fell in love with my job Mm. and it opened up a lot of doors for me. Um, But I also know of a lot of other people who did take a gap year and just did things like travel and everything, Mm. didn't necessarily jump into work, but their mind was clearer Mm. as to what direction they wanted to go. And then I do know some people who did jump straight into uni and didn't enjoy their course, but they've been able to change it since. You know, mm-hmm. that's the great thing. There's so many options now. 100%. And so many great advice. I love I love the advice with your parents because I feel like I felt myself. I didn't have pressure. There were pressure, but I think it was actually... More internal. More internal. Yep. But I felt like because my, my parents and my mum worked really hard to send me to the school that I went to, I then... I owed it to her to then, you know, use that to go to university mm-hmm, and finish mm-hmm. my degree. But with a gap year in hospitality. So I worked, um, I actually didn't take a gap year. Mm. I wish I did. My biggest regret ever, I found that I was so tired after year 12 mm. and I'd just thrown my whole self into mm. getting this ATAR that I wanted to get. And then I didn't give myself a break mm. and I went straight into uni. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't. I nearly failed both of or all of my subjects in the first semester because I just didn't even know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then I took a gap semester. I think in my uni degree, I took about three or four gap semesters mm-hmm. in the end. But I wish I took that full year off because sometimes you need that full year to get you kind of re-motivated to then mm-hmm. go into the course that you want to do. And 
what I did. So I took the six, I did my first semester. Then I was trying to save for a car. And as you guys know, it's very hard to save mm. for a car mm. when you're at uni. Cause you can kind of, you can work part-time. And I was working at a restaurant in a pizza restaurant part-time in hospitality, but you can only work about 20, 25 hours a week mm. before you will literally probably fail uni unless you're really, really smart because I need to study to pass. Um, So I deferred uni. I worked in a hospital in administration during the day and then I would waitress at night so I could save for my car, which was fantastic. Mm. But it made me realize that I didn't want to work in hospitality full time and I didn't want to work in administration full time. And so that then really gave me motivation to go back into uni. I then also transferred. I was doing arts law and I moved to arts, uh, sorry, law business because that was more what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that I wouldn't have found that out if I hadn't have taken off taken that six months off. And I think with hospitality, I mean, obviously everyone have, has different passions, but I found I loved it. I loved it so much. But after five years, mm. I got to a point where if someone, and this, if someone walked into the restaurant after 6.30, mm. I was like, why are you eating so late? You know, I want to start cleaning up. Or if someone wanted table water, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to wash all those glasses. So for me, it was a great part-time job at uni and you mm. can keep doing it. I had so many friends that, as you said, Seth, that mm. do it while they're at uni. Um, but it, it is, if you do feel after your, if you do want to take a gap year um, and you do feel like you want to go into uni, don't feel like you have to give up your hospitality job. It's so good to have on the side. And then with Pathways, if you're really passionate about the course that you didn't get into, so many people don't oh, yeah. get into the course that they want and there are so many pathways. Don't think that you should just do another one because you can't get into the one that you had you had wanted. I, I'm not sure what it is, but there's literally so many things that mm. you can do. Go speak to your uni that um, you want to go to and work out. You know, you might have to do a, a year of business to then get into a commerce degree or something like that, but make sure you speak about pathways because even in like a law degree, for example, mm. Half of my, I reckon half of the students mm. in my course had done an undergrad mm-hmm. and then they're doing law as a graduate degree because they didn't get straight into it and yeah. that's okay. And that we all became, well, I didn't become a lawyer, I'm still mm. not graduated yet, but you know, we, basically we all ended up with the same degree at the end mm. anyway. So yeah. Well, hopefully that has helped you. I mean, I think um, the underlining thing here is just really think about what makes you happy and what you're passionate mm. about and just be really open with your parents Um, and see what they think and take their advice but don't feel like I feel like yeah a lot of us have that fear that if we don't do exactly what they say then they're not gonna Mm. be proud of us and I don't think that's the case exactly in a lot of situations so see how you go anyway let's get into oh and also guys if you guys have questions that you want us to chat about just email us podcast at keepitcleaner.com.au we'll be doing this at the start of every episode if this is your first time listening we also have some very very exciting kick news we have got our biggest offer ever it is in celebration of international women's day which is coming up next week now we have got a one month free trial our usual trial on kick is seven days but to celebrate international women's day we wanted to do one month free all you need to do to get your free month it is valid for new subs to keep it cleaner and also if you have been a subscriber before and you want to come back you can use the code the code is iwd it is valid from today until next Wednesday, the 10th of March. All you have to do to use it is go onto our website. It is only valid on the website, which is www.keepitcleaner.com.au and then enter the code IWD. Now for today's podcast. Yeah. Very important topic, obviously, after the year that was. 
Yes, so today's podcast is a very, very important, as as you said, Steph, and Mm. special one. It's something that Steph and I have been speaking a lot about and we think that a lot of us are actually going through at the moment Mm. and that's kind of dealing with burnout, heightened anxiety from the years, the uncontrollable time that we live in um, at the moment and then also just not... I suppose, acknowledging our feelings because we feel like there's people worse off. Like we can't, you can't possibly say, or I feel like at this Mm. time, I'm really sad because, uh, I don't know, I... What's an example? Well, you had to cancel your wedding. Okay. I'm really sad because I had to cancel my wedding. I feel like I can't say that without saying, but I'm very, 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 I'm very lucky. Like I've got my health, I've got my job. Like I feel like you can't actually say, hang on, no, this actually really hurts and this is really sad for me. And we wanted to talk to Dr. Jodie about this. And if you have listened to the kick pod for a while, we did an episode with Dr. Jodie last year on anxiety. So if you do have anxiety, I really recommend Mm. listening to that. She's got so much knowledge and so many tools to help, but we thought she would be perfect to Mm. speak to because it is a real thing. It's not something that we just make up in our heads. And um, yeah, so we hope you enjoy this. Before we jump into this chat with Dr. Jody, we just wanted to let you guys know that there is mention of suicide in this chat. And if this might be triggering for you, we recommend skipping this podcast. And if you need any help ever, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thank you so much for do- joining us, Dr. Jody. We're so excited to speak to you today. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you both. I always love our conversations and working together. It's amazing. Yes, I mean, so do we. And I I think we were talking last week and I've actually been speaking to a lot of people about this recently and we thought you would be so perfect to have to come on and talk about it. And that is this kind of mindset a lot of us are in at the moment where we can't acknowledge what we're going through because especially through 2020 and now 2021, we think, you know, someone has been through a worse situation. So we almost can't acknowledge what we're going through. And and we just, we wanted to talk about it because I think so many people are Mm. kind of feeling like that and that's how it's playing out in their head. Yeah, absolutely. And any times in our life where we are, invalidating our emotions so saying that our emotions aren't worth having or feeling guilty and layering that guilt over and above the emotions that we're experiencing is unhelpful and unfair because we are human beings we are designed to experience these emotions and so building that awareness around that in and of itself is a really powerful tool in your toolkit, in your resilience toolkit to help about noticing when invalidation is taking hold. Yeah, totally. And I think it's like, it's finding that balance, right? Because it's all relative, like our emotions mm-hmm. and you know what we're going through is all relative to what we're used to. And of course, there's always going to be people worse off. There's also going to be people who are better off than you. And I suppose how to like, how would you find that balance between obviously being considerate of others and thinking, you know, it definitely could be worse, but at the same time as validating the way you're feeling, how do people kind of recognize when, as you said, they might not be they might be squishing down their own feelings Mm. just because they're so considerate of others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the the mind strength methodology, which is the method that I've developed to help people, it is a four-step process. And step one in that is exactly as you're saying, to build awareness around when we are 
engaging in fight or flight driven thoughts, feelings and actions. And one of these sorts of experiences is pushing down our emotions. And that's that experience in this case of saying, well, I shouldn't be feeling this and um, other people are doing it worse. And so this is kind of fight or flight. It's fighting with our emotions. And that's not helpful because what that does is it actually keeps us in stress. It keeps us in that anxiety state of mind because what we're doing is we're fighting our emotions. Um, And so building awareness around that and moving to step two in the mind strength method, which is realigning with your values which let's say values of compassion and kindness. Now, the most important person to be compassionate and kind with is ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. It is ourselves because for caring, kind human beings who are givers, particularly people who who experience anxiety because inherently in people who experience anxiety, it is this protective instinct. It's the magnificence of people who experience anxiety is because these individuals, and yes, this is a generalization, but in years and years of experience, I can say this, these are people who want to give and help other people and protect, but you can't pour from an empty glass. So this value of kindness and care and compassion has to start with yourself and looking after yourself. Um, And there's a beautiful, powerful, evidence-based or scientifically supported toolkit to do that. So validation of your own emotions, acknowledging that it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to feel stressed. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel agitation is important. And then responding with helpful strategies rather than unhelpful strategies, which would be to be pushing those emotions down. That's the unhelpful. So in answer to your question, it's not about an either or with ourself or others. It's recognizing the values that underpin this and the value that underpins this is kindness and compassion for ourselves and kindness and compassion for others. And the beauty of this is that not only is it aligning to values driven actions, but that action in and of itself is an action that boosts mental health and well-being. As you know, kindness and compassion is one of the most powerful tools in the toolkit to stimulate dopamine and serotonin and all of those positive neurochemicals. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love when you, you speak about that, but I think from, I'm just trying to think of my mind and where my mind would go in this instance and where it has been going. I think sometimes it's important to, or I find it's helpful to, because when, you know, you might have, like for example, with, with my wedding being pushed and, and I felt so, I was so wary of everything I said about that. And I suppose the feelings that I was feeling because I knew that, you know, others had missed their family's funeral. So in, in the scheme of things, a wedding is so minimal. And so it was kind of like, I shouldn't, not that I was, I, I suppose I almost didn't allow myself to get upset because very up, that upset because I, I felt that so many others were worse, which obviously is what we're talking about. 
But I'd love to know the long-term effects or even the short-term effects of what pushing those emotions down and not not letting yourself feel them is. Because I feel like for me, sometimes I have to know the worst that it can be to be able to then realise, like, hey, actually, this is a real thing and and I'm allowed to, you know, feel this. Yeah, it's a great question. Ultimately, when we're pushing emotions down, it takes mental energy and it keeps Mm -hmm. us in fight or flight because we are fighting our emotions, we're pushing it down. And so the consequence is that we have this rebound effect. It sometimes, and that presents itself in many varied ways. Sometimes we're sitting in agitation or in anxiety or in stress because we're fighting our emotions. And the consequence of that is at a neurochemical level, we're keeping ourselves in the sympathetic nervous system, which is adrenaline and cortisol. Mm -hmm. So that at a very primitive level is unhelpful and unhealthy. And the consequence is it's almost like we get this all or nothing experience of emotions that can be a repercussion of that or physical health problems can be a repercussion of long-term emotional invalidation. And unfortunately, and very sadly, this is a societal issue. It's called distress intolerance. Distress intolerance is something that wreaks havoc in society. And it plays out in many varied ways in um, mild, moderate and severe representations. So distress intolerance says, it's not, I, I shouldn't be feeling this, this is not good enough, this means I'm not good enough. Um, and so in your experience, it's saying I shouldn't be feeling sad about the, the postponing of my wedding because other people are doing it so much worse. And, you know, that is not fair to you because, um, because this is your life and your experiences. And it's not treating yourself with kindness and compassion. So that's one representation of it um, not being fair to you and, and you sitting with that mental and physical energy of pushing those experiences down. Other representations of distress intolerance at a societal level, um, whether it's for, for, for men or women, boys or girls, is saying, you know, the stigma around, let's say, because these are these are um, phrases that we're familiar with oftentimes around boys and men, but we all experience this because there's the myth of needing to be perfect in order to be okay. So it's not just a male thing, it's very much within females as well, perpetuated by social media where everybody's presenting their perfect versions of themselves which says if i'm not okay i'm not good enough and so i have to push it down in a male context it's you know man up boys don't cry all of this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. but it's very much for females as well and so distress intolerance leads us to responding to big emotions or challenging emotions with trying to shut them down, trying to numb those big emotions. And so what we turn to 
are unhelpful strategies to numb big emotions mm. and some of the more um, uh, damaging representations of this as we all recognize in our community is self-harm you know mm. d dreadful consequences which then become addictive in their own right um, and the most horrendous representation of this is suicide mm. um, no, pre-COVID this is not a COVID thing COVID has just amplified this mm. pre-COVID this was you know a mental health challenge of let's talk about epidemic proportions um, so and now COVID has amplified it to make it so much worse um, so we want to recognize that this is not necessary we you know the beautiful thing that you do all the time is normalize um, being imperfect in your in your magnificence you know perfection in imperfection let's say um, that it's okay to not be okay it's okay to to not be perfect um, and we want to respond to these emotional experiences with helpful actions such as connection leveraging the power of community and uh, and a toolkit for well-being fundamentally exercise movement connection engaging in mental health strategies that are scientifically supported that can make such a magnificent powerful difference in every single person's lives mm, absolutely and i feel like something that kept coming to mind when you were speaking about that stuff jody was that i feel like and i think you'll relate to this a lot because i feel like this is very much <laughs> you in it um but it's it's like almost when you feel like you want to open up about something that you're going through or pain you're feeling or anything like that because and i'll just speak to you because i know that this is you um because you're so considerate of others the last thing that you would want is to come across inconsiderate mm. and so you almost crush your own you know emotions or don't show them to a point that it's like just in case you hurt someone else's feelings mm. but you don't even know what you're doing to your own feelings in that do you think that 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 plays a big part as well like almost not just not wanting to come across inconsiderate yeah absolutely and um you know this is uh, of course again the double-edged sword of anxiety mm. is um uh, you know wanting to be everything to everyone mm. and that fear of of not being good enough and uh, so this tips into fear-driven behaviors um and so the way I conceptualize it is thinking about what are your drivers? Okay, what is driving your behavior right now? Is it um, fear driven or is it values driven? That says, um, so as an example, so, you know, this is touching on, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily something that happens for you, Laura, but in, in some people's experience, it is tipping into performance anxiety or social anxiety where that people-pleasing element can come up and the perfectionism, which is typically fear-driven, that says it's built on a belief of I have to be perfect in order to be okay. Um, I have to please everyone and everything in order to be good enough. 
Um, and these are fear-driven drivers and um, un unhelpful actions. So fight or flight driven thoughts, feelings and actions, again, building awareness around what some of these are is step one in the mind strength method. And so if it's fear driven, we want to build awareness and allow ourselves to move out of fear driven behaviors. Sometimes they're mental behaviors such as worry or second guessing ourselves um, or mental checking. And we want to move into value driven actions. So that values driver. And there may well be a really large component of this in your case, Laura, which is values driven, right? That says, you know what? I just really value being kind to other people, mm -hmm. which I have no doubt. That's what is the large predominance of what's mm -hmm. driving this is you just absolutely value compassion and kindness and and putting other people before yourself yourself it's just beautiful values driven actions um and this is again the double-edged sword right mm -hmm. if we can move it out of fear and bring it back to values um this is your superpower um, you know, I grapple with this as well, being a, um, an incredibly heart-driven human being. Um, you know, don't think that the imposter syndrome doesn't torment me, right? <laughs> um, it's, it's, that, it, it's that humility that is uh, values aligned, that says um, being authentic, being transparent, val being uh, values driven, heart driven that says purpose driven to want to help people on scale is the superpower of this. Um, you know, my heart pulls me daily. It literally does. It's not fear driven. The element that makes me want to help people on scale, which is why I've written my book, which is why my book from cover to cover is just cram-packed with practical strategies of sharing seven years of clinical training and decades of practical experience, is it's deeply aligned to um, a, a heart-driven desire to help people on scale. And I have no doubt that that is your driver, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. I think, and I love, Dr. Jody how you always flip it to the positive. Mm. I think when I first heard you speak, it was the first time I've ever heard someone speak about anxiety as something that's a beautiful thing and mm. not to always think that you're suffering mm. or, you know, you're less less than others because because you, you're dealing with it. Um, and I love, yeah, I love the way that you put it like that because it's funny, I saw a quote on Instagram the other day and it was, it, it was funny, but I was also like, this is actually my brain. And it said, it was something like, still thinking about something you said in 2010, like 10 years ago, and like, if it offended someone, like, yes. if they're okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The double-edged sword, yeah. right? Um, it's like, 
let's just quieten that part of it. Um, <laughs> you know, we call this rumination and rumination is one of the step one things. It's one of the fight or flight driven mm. uh, mental actions. You know, rumination and worry, they do happy dances together all the time and they say, yes, let's boss this person around. Rumination is going back and checking about stuff that happened, whether it's yesterday or two weeks ago or, or 10 years ago. And the underpinning of this, the core challenge of this is wanting to get certainty, right? Wanting to know for sure that you didn't do anything bad, mm -hmm. that nothing bad happened. Um, and so rumination is that should have, should not have, what, what if something, what if I did something bad? What if I've hurt that person? You know, what if they don't like me? All of this uh, stuff around that fear of being judged negatively. Um, that is one of the unhelpful actions that we want to build awareness around. And so it's the mental process that we want to build awareness around. Rumination is that mental process. It is our struggle with uncertainty. And the challenge is we're never going to get certainty. Mm -hmm. And so it's about building awareness that we are never going to get certainty. And so it's accepting that as a futile mental process. So noticing it, labeling it, and mindfulness is a really core part of the mind strength method. It's about noticing when those unhelpful mental processes are taking hold, breathing, because sometimes those mental processes will tip us into fight or flight, which takes us into the sympathetic nervous system and that, you know, antsy, feisty, hijacking amygdala in our brain um, that wants to take over. Um, so we have to breathe and then bring yourself back to the present moment and then realign to value-driven driven actions, which is acceptance around what around the fact that you will not have certainty, but problem solving and action planning around the things that are in your control and ideally in the present moment. Um, this exactly the same process, the mirroring process happens with worry, which is about the future and uh, all of the possible things that might go wrong in the future. It's our attempt to get certainty when there is no certainty. Being in that headspace all the time, and I think especially from kind of what happened in 2020, mm. there's so much uncertainty and being in that flight or fight mode all the time obviously leads, well, I'm assuming that's something that leads to burnout and we would love to hear your thoughts. And we know there's, there's lots in the book about burnout too. And I think it's something that's so re real to so many people. Mm. And uh, we wanted to ask what are the signs of burnout? What is it? And then what are some things we can do to be able to kind of relieve it and refill our cup? Because it's funny, it's when you, when you say the word burnout, I think uh, initially I used to always think that that meant that I was like, I must have been go, go, go. I must have been super busy and doing a lot. But then when I think back to 2020, it's like, what did I do last year? Not much. I was home most of the time. And yet it seems like one of the most exhausting mm. years mentally. So... Yeah, totally. And we can all relate to it. You know, it's 
quite remarkable. I've been working with uh, people, so I, I do a lot of work in the, the school and the education system, as well as in organisations. And the beauty of digital is it allows us to help people on scale. And so working with people all around the world at the moment, and it is such a common theme that this experience of burnout, that people literally felt themselves crawling over the finish line and just breathing such a sigh of relief when we had that, you know, New Year's Eve into 2021. <laughs> um, but yes, burnout is a serotonin depletion and it is built on um, protracted or long-standing time in fight or flight and there's the way I conceptualize burnout is there's um, a number of different factors that tip us into burnout one of them is con context and you know the things that are going on around us it's oftentimes the if the expectations are to achieve outcomes that are unachievable contextually so um, there's there's that element that we had to uh, respond with agility and uh, resilience over a long-standing time period to deal with a lot of uncertainty in the context around us. So that was something that was really creating a lot of uh, pr a prolonged stress for all of us. Um, uncertainty, 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 whether it was for ourselves, for our family, for our friends, for our livelihood and in some corners of the world for our very lives. And so the long-standing uncertainty contextually was really, really tough for everybody. Um, the other thing that tips us into burnout is mindset. And um, you know our, our struggle with trying to get certainty when there is no certainty. So worry thoughts, because what worry does is it responds uh, at, in a physiological way. So anxiety is our physiological reaction to perceived threat in our environment. And so what that is, is burning um, burning up our positive neurochemicals mm -hmm. and having long-term adrenaline and cortisol in our nervous system. It keeps us in fight or flight. And so these sorts of things had a cumulative effect. Um, the beauty is, and let's recognize everything that I am about is about positive messages and hopefulness. I want people to feel incredibly empowered that all of these experiences there is no need to suffer in silence mm -hmm. whether it's anxiety whether it's stress whether it's anger and agitation whether it's um, low self-confidence or whether it's burnout all of these things are really responsive to the right practical strategies that will make a powerful difference in everybody's lives. So in the book, I cover chapters on overcoming burnout, on overcoming anxiety, 
on um, there's chapters in there on overcoming imposter syndrome and boosting confidence, assertiveness and influence. So let's talk about what some of these practical strategies are. When it comes to burnout, um, and uh, of course in the book, Low Mood and Depression, the reason I, I mention this in the context of burnout is because they kind of uh, play out in somewhat similar ways. Mm -hmm. And the good news is they're responsive to similar evidence-based strategies. Now, everything that you do in your community, boom, 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 because <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best tools in the toolkit is exercise and movement and connection and um, you know the power of leaning on each other and supporting one another you know whether it's sisterhood whether it's brotherhood whether it's just society connecting with one another this is what we want to do and to allow ourselves to support one another and but also move into exercise and movement um, because that stimulates positive neurochemicals and is so, so fabulous for mental health and well-being and mitigating against burnout. Um, uh, it is one of the most powerful tools in the toolkit and there's a lot in the book that covers this uh, because it is so very important, whether it's for anxiety, whether it's for for mood, it is so very important. Um, and then it is leveraging the mind strength method, may I say, because this methodology is cram packed with practical tools. Step three in the mind strength method is embracing a mind strength toolkit to build resilience. And one of the, as an example, it's starting to notice one of the tools in the toolkit is starting to notice when worry is bossing you around and moving from worry into problem solving and action planning around the things that are in your control. One of the tools in the toolkit is standing up to imposter syndrome and boosting confidence, assertiveness and influence. So strategies around assertiveness. One of the tools in the toolkit is engaging in, um, in mood boosters one of which is exercise and movement. And step four in the mind strength method is embracing a well-being plan to move forward aligned to values driven actions. Uh, all scientifically supported, built on the shoulders of giants of CBT, of acceptance and commitment therapy, of narrative therapy, and of, um, let's say a boot camp of uh, of training that I have undergone myself <laughs> um, and uh, and then years and years helping people at the coalface um, as the founder of the Anxiety Clinic and Sydney Anxiety Clinic. It sounds like all of these things, it's like when you say it out loud, it makes so much sense mm, to practice those things. Yeah. And this, I feel like there, a lot of people would relate and think that there's this internal battle with themselves to allow themselves time to actually like put aside time for themselves. How important is it for people? Because obviously all those tool things are, are something that you're doing for yourself. How important is it that people do put aside time for mindfulness and, and all those tools that you're talking about to help themselves? 
Yeah, another beautiful question. I I talk about um, small is better than not at all. That yeah, is that's a that's one of the quotes that I that I often say is small is better than not at all, um, because people who care want to be perfect and uh, want to do the perfect mindfulness uh, meditation and want to do the perfect workout and want to be you know carving out the perfect amounts of time and sometimes that's not necessarily doable now that's not to say that the evidence base is important um so if we you know if we look at uh meditation experts and gurus and they will tell you um i think that that the science supports something like two lots of 20 minutes a day of meditation to enable um the really powerful uh, neuroplasticity or, or neurological changes that can take hold in the brain built on practicing meditation. And yes, we have to look at the science and play great respect for the science. However, what can happen, and particularly, you know, being an anxiety expert, I know that what can happen with people is they can think, oh my goodness, if I don't do the perfect meditation or if I don't do the perfect workout, that means that I'm not good enough. And Mm -hmm. so we jump back into fight or flight and flight is avoidance. Mm -hmm. And so procrastination can kick in and clinical procrastination can be like this brick wall that, you know, and burnout plays out like this as well, that sometimes people describe it as, I know what I have to do. I know how to do it. I really want to do it, but I just can't do it. You know, this is this experience of clinical procrastination, and it's often built on a foundation of just caring really deeply and wanting to be perfect. So we have to break that down and say, small is better than not at all. And sometimes I say teeny tiny is better than not at all. You know, one minute of meditation or mindful breathing. I talk about circuit breakers in the day to bring those stress levels back down to baseline. Um, This is just so incredibly powerful. Um, And so be purposefully imperfect, Mm -hmm. right? And do what works for you. Everybody has different needs through the day. Routine can be helpful, but sometimes we're not going to be able to jump into that routine, right? So something is always better than nothing, but getting out in the fresh air, doing your exercise, even if it's just running around the block, you know, working out whatever works for you, jumping into you know a, a magnificent kick workout which does make it so so easy to engage right you know my daughter boy oh boy you helped her through covid mm-hmm. and hsc may i say and she <laughs> adores you um you know Gemma shout out to Gemma um, <laughs> she she just is very grateful for 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 what you provided for her as am i um, so this is, this is really powerful stuff.
Yeah, and, and I love what you say about time, small is better than nothing. Yeah. I think that's so, especially with exercise, it's so important. And I think as well, sometimes when you're feeling really sad or down or like you've mucked things up, but the last thing you actually want to do, and I find this with myself, is exercise because I kind of go into this headspace of, well, I can't do like my normal session because I don't feel up to it. So, you know, I'm... What's I, the point? Yeah, what's the point? Mm. And what I've learned is actually leaning into that and like, doing a really even if I can only get through half a yoga flow or go for a 10 minute walk outside it actually makes the biggest difference to how my mind feels and it is small but it puts me in such a better mindset than I was before and before that before I kind of learned that I would just not do anything and then I wasn't helping myself yeah and I always found as well that like sometimes when I was in like in my own head and stressed or upset about something if I went and tried to smash out a workout it it almost made me feel worse because I was really trying to challenge myself and really push myself and I found that just going to something small or soft was so much better for my mindset in those times yeah yeah it is about being kind and compassionate in with helpful actions rather than Mm. trying to push those feelings down or to try to be perfect and um, you know, there's there's so much science to support um, just getting out in nature and getting into the fresh air and doing the exercise and just doing the mindfulness and um, you know these sorts of things can just be absolutely fabulous. But a mental uh, a mental toolkit, a behavioural toolkit, so cognitive behavioural strategies that will make uh, an incredibly wonderful difference in people's lives. And if you experience anxiety, recognize, as I often say, you care because you care. Um, Mm. You know, often this is the really beautiful underpinning of people who experience anxiety. It is the protective survival instinct at play. And that inherently means that you are the... uh, the tribal warrior as opposed to the warrior, right? In a primitive context, you would be the carer of the tribe and wanting to keep everybody safe. And that is a beautiful thing. You know what I'm you know what I'm just thinking of, Stan? <laughs> I'm thinking once um, we were staying in a oh, accommodation. I know what you're gonna talk about. <laughs> And we, I, we heard some, well, I think I was the only one who really heard it, but we heard someone, I swear they tried to open the door. I think it was a possum. <laughs> they got on the door handle. And, oh, dear. Uh, it was Steph and I were there and another friend, Lisa, and Steph and I were in the same bed and we woke, well, I didn't, I was already awake, but yeah. Steph woke up in the morning and she turned around she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, why she was sitting awake? up in bed like a zombie, like it was so clear she'd been sitting there all night um, because it, it did get to a point at night where we were like, it's fine, like we all texted each other, obviously Lisa was in the other room and we were like, did you hear that noise? Oh yeah, it's probably a possum and then probably half an hour later I fell asleep and so did Lisa, but this one sat up in bed next to me the entire night and oh your mind gosh. in the morning, Laura said... You know what I thought? I thought if I fall asleep, then no one's going to be here to protect us. And I, then I started to imagine Aww. in this wardrobe next to us that there's someone here and they're waiting to jump out and inject us with a silencer or something oh, so that wow. we can't scream. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Dr. Jenny's like, well, you need to do with your anxiety. And it just it made me think. It made me think of 
of that because I was literally so protective. I have to protect us or we will die. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, this is where our brain goes, right? Protect, protect. I have to know for sure that everybody is safe. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I do hope you managed to get some sleep at least that night. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Anyway, well, um, Thank you so yeah, much for, you. for doing this podcast with us. We Every time I speak to you, I learn so much. And just what you say about you care because you care, I think that is such a powerful mm. and important message. And I think so many people right now will be dealing with burnout and anxiety and worrying and just feeling exhausted. So they'll benefit so much from this. We'll also put the link to your new book in mm. the show notes which I was very lucky I got to read it um, when it was in one of its first editing stages. And it's such a fantastic methodology to have it all in in one book. Yeah, and thank you for your beautiful words for that book. You are in uh, maybe page one or page two (laughs) (laughs) in the testimonials um, that in the endorsements. And that is just lovely. Thank you. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat. I felt myself nodding along to so much of what she had to say. I just feel like everything that the way that she uh, talks things through, it's like, oh, duh. Like, of course, that makes sense. But you just you almost need to hear it from someone else sometimes. So I hope um, whatever we spoke through today that helped you in any way whatsoever. And as Laura mentioned earlier in the podcast, we have spoken to Jodie in the past um, on anxiety. So feel free to go back and listen to that one. And then we'll put a link in the show notes, as Laura said, uh, for her book, which sounds like it's just full of tools. Yeah, and it's out now, mm. which is very, very exciting. Mm. So yeah. that, that's the end. So let's, that's the end of the let's, let's say see ya. <laughs> so we'll, um, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. We've got a really exciting podcast next yes, week. Yes, we do. Um, it's going to be a little bit different. So stay tuned for that. We're here every Wednesday. And if you'd like to find out more about Keep It Cleaner, you can head to our website, www.keepitcleaner.com.au, or you can keep in the loop and see more of us on social media at Keep It Cleaner, at Laura.Henshaw or at Steph Claire Smith. But thank you for listening, guys. Bye.